0: I have just been reflecting on messages this year and, you know, that the Lord has just given some amazing anointed messages uh, through His grace this whole year. You know, He's really self-good and gracious and faithful. Um, I, I, I actually have two messages to share. I, I hope you guys will get grace this morning. Um, the first one is kind of a testimony, and then the second is is a, a message pre- prepared for us to prepare for the, the coming week. Um But the first one is kind of uh, I, I noticed that um, except for Mary, Mary tends to be one of the few people that uh, will speak out and share the Lord's dealing with her, and I appreciate that. And I am going to do the same thing this morning. And if you can glean something out of it for You said personally, good, but it's just, um, you know, as we've we've walked through this uh, time virus, you you know, I I have uh, seen some changes in myself, uh, and the Lord's bringing me through it. It's just been a real time of His great love and gentle discipline, Um, so I'd like to just share that with you. I don't know about you. But I've seen a difference in how I've handled and responded to the virus as it's progressed. Not only the virus, but just the environment that it's put put us in for the last three months or so. Um, In the beginning, I was patient uh, with setbacks, with the sheltering, when things were delayed, and things didn't go right, with other typical Murphy's Law things that happened. you know, my, my response is normally like I response, but but my, my biggest nemesis has always been waiting in line. Something I just don't like to do. It's that's that's what Tia usually does when I need to take something back. <laughs> She's such a blessing to do that for me. But um, you know, in the beginning, I worked on my car light for three days, just trying one little thing on it. I didn't lose my temper. I was patient with it. I took my phone apart. I watched a seven minute YouTube about how easy it was. It took me two and a half hours to do that. Um, but as, as this thing has progressed, I, I began to notice, I just begin to get irritated about, about stuff, annoyed inside. It just, this peace of mine was becoming a little bit fleeting. And so these these momentary light restrictions were, were starting to bother me So watching how everything was being presented to the world, uh the overbearing and incessant reporting. I actually just stopped watching it. I said, Tia, just give me the high points, uh and let me know what they're saying. The the injustice and the loss that it had brought on people, kind of the the sadness of people living, you know, their last days without the comfort of their family and friends. Unprofessionalism of the press. Uh, and The lack of them separating hype from fact, I mean, which uh, I think Tim has kind of alluded to this morning. The changing of what we are to do and what we're not to do. Um, the fraud and indiscriminate use of government spending and financial and just the increasing awareness of the future costs for all of us in ways that yet to be realized. And so I, I was just having my quiet time one morning and, um, the Lord just, I just was asking what is going on here inside of me? And just as quickly as I said that, he just said, you're restless. Um, and just as quickly as he said, you're restless, he reminded me of a passage to read. So, I went to that passage, um, and unfortunately, it's in Jeremiah, so it's it's (laughs) Jeremiah 12, if you want to turn to it. Um, Jeremiah was a prophet in this particular passage before chapter 12. He'd been threatened with death by the people of Anathoth if he continued to prophesy, and this is the very thing that God appointed and anointed him to do, so Jeremiah brings his complaint before the Lord, and I'm going to read the first four verses of um, that. Uh, I'll give you a minute to get there if you'd like. But Jeremiah 12, beginning in verse one, it says, "You give me justice when I bring a case before you. So you let so let me bring this complaint. Why are the wicked so prosperous? Why are the people so happy?" You have planted them, and they have taken root and prospered. Your name is Lips, but you are far from their hearts. But as for me, Lord, you know my heart. You see me, and you test my thoughts. Crack these people away like sheep to be butchered. Set them aside to be slaughtered. How long must this land mourn? Even the grass in the fields has withered. The wild animals and birds have disappeared, cause of the evil in the land. For the people have said, the Lord doesn't see what's ahead for us. Jeremiah was really undone by these threats. He in obedience to what the Lord had called him, and yet things weren't going well. Um, and much like with Caleb and Joshua, you remember the, the two of the 12 spies that brought back a good report. Those, those men endured 40 years of the Lord's discipline. Of, of their people. And I mean, I haven't been threatened with death, uh, but I have been inwardly annoyed by the ongoing circumstances. Um, but as quickly as I read the first part, I, I kept reading in verse 5. And this is the Lord's reply to Jeremiah. He didn't give an explanation of why those things were the thing. This is what he said to Jeremiah If racing against mere men makes you tired, how are you going to race against horses? If you stumble and fall on open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? That was an out. But at the same time, I thank the Lord because He didn't He didn't allow this thing to grow in me and be something bigger than it could be. Um, and the answer to Jeremiah you can expect to run against horses in the future. Uh, Jeremiah needed to learn how to trust God and draw on his strength in his challenge in order to prepare him for a greater challenge in the future. Um, You know, these present circumstances are a challenge, no doubt, but greater ones quite possibly await. And like Jeremiah, I needed to be stiff and higher or as, Randy, so many weeks ago, to buck up and not be pampered at this time. It was a time to prepare for endurance. It's a time that has been trying improving for the future. Um, you know, we speak a lot about heroes, and in some ways, it seems easy to become one today with just a single act. And it's true, people are heroes who rise up to an immediate challenge and deal with it. But, you know, as you, as you look at the heroes of the faith, it seems to be measured by a different standard. Um, maybe it's a, it's a heroic soul that can be called to do heroic work for God. And this hero, heroism uh, is marked by endurance. And maybe I'm beginning to wonder, is this the kind of heroism that preparing his people for? Maybe endurance is better characterized by this own virtue of his, which Greg spoke of last week, faithfulness. It's the challenge of faithfulness in the relationship with the Lord that historically his people have fallen short. Um, You know, an aspect of endurance is the biblical concept of patience. Uh, And the Bible is full of that. It's not talking about... uh, counterfeit that passes for patience, but it's talking about a power to bear and to suffer and to sacrifice and to endure all things, even to die, but maybe harder still to continue to live. And so this whole world fallen as it is patience, but there are times when drawing upon the patience of God is needed to maintain endurance and faithfulness and difficult situations and circumstances, and I just really felt like the Lord was gently reminding me to strengthen that which remains. Uh, Here were some things he gave me to consider, and I just would ask you if in this whole time, have you noted any, like, cracks in your peace or attitude or behavior as this thing has prolonged, or are you one of those people that have just Wax stronger and become stronger and stronger in faith. Um, I think my faith hasn't been so much challenged, but just dealing with the restrictions. And so um, I wanna, I'm going to give you four things um, that you, uh, just to consider that I've considered. Uh, the first one is in, in your duties. If in the ordinary duties of life you have been carried, How will you be able to meet the higher and special duties to which you may be called? Uh, So to courageously face these and then may hope to meet others with equal strength. How about in your trials? Well, we've all been through trials in this time. If the trials which are common to man tax your patience, how will you do when called to pass through extraordinary ones? You give way these, but endure without shrinking. In the Job-like trials that come, you may bear them as he did, as we endured. Then there are, uh, how have we done in our temptations? If those that are common to man have taxed you, strength, and led you severity, how will you do when special and more ordinary, more than ordinary temptations come upon you? Resist the devil in the first, first temptation and you will be better able to resist him in the second. And lastly, in, in your troubles, uh, do the ripples of the waters of the sea of life affect you? Then how will you do when surges of tempests come upon you? When the dark the sky frighten you then, how will you feel when lightning and terrible thunder fill the heavens? Um, so I think for me, it's been a time of uh, my spiritual stamina, or should I, or I I guess be more personal and say it's me that the Lord Lord has just been here for the future because that spiritual stamina really affects our our emotional, mental, and physical stamina. You know, my great desire this time unchanged in any way that the Lord has desired for me to be changed to make those adjustments as, as the Lord shows specific places for needful strengthening, to prepare me for walking forward with him. It's also been a time of checking, to see if that's really my heart's desire, my heart's desire to walk with him, even if things get hard like they did for Jeremiah. And so uh, I know this is not necessarily an encouraging word, but hopefully it's a timely and needful word it's been for me. And the Lord's just been really uh gracious about uh, not waiting until uh, little annoyances become things that become cynical and really bitter. So I, I would just encourage you to allow the Lord to show you any part of your spiritual walk uh, that may need to be strengthened. And, uh, Hopefully, you can glean something out of that, and you all are saying, "Boy, he's had some problems." But uh, hopefully, hopefully, a, a time of encouragement for you. Um, what I want to really, the main message for um, this this particular Sunday is actually preparing us for the week to come. You know, I I kind of looked at the messages that we have since past, it seemed like they centered around these four broad themes. Uh, and, and those that have spoken, I hope you can see that. And, and I've, got, I've gleaned the right thing from your messages um, over these past weeks. But the first is that God is in control. He is strategic in his activities. He is in control and he's sovereign. Secondly, God is offended by complaining and grumbling. Thirdly, God requires repentance and obedience that's prompted by faith. And lastly, God is faithful and redeeming. You know, um, I know as, as timed up to the Passover, everybody was remarking about how much the similarities between the first Passover uh, for the people in slavery in Egypt into today in the fact that they had to be sheltered, they had to stay in their homes, um, and that command to remain inside of the death angel passed over. um, All those people who, through obedience as an expression of their faith, covered their doorposts with blood of a perfect lamb. um, that lamb was just a shadow of the true Lamb of God, which took away the sins of the world, John 1:29, at a later Passover. So the Israelites were set free from bondage and slavery of Egypt, and they traveled into the desert to meet God at Mount Sinai. Last week, Greg took us through Deuteronomy 1, and that journey into and throughout the wilderness to the edge of the land promised to Abraham. There they were instructed prepare to meet with God at Mount Sinai. And so I want to I want to reflect on that just a minute out of Exod nineteen. I'm going to read the first seven verses of Exodus nineteen verses one through seven. Um, and it goes like this in the translation. In the third month after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt. On that very day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai. When they set out from Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. And there Israel camped in front of the mountain. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, And how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them, All these words which the Lord had commanded him, all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud, so that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe in you forever. Then Moses told the words of the Lord, of the people to the Lord. So God came to meet with his people in thunder and lightning. He began his covenant relationship stating that he would be their God and they, his chosen people. Reminded, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. A chosen people and a new nation was begun. Now, further on Deuteronomy, uh, Chapter 16 in Deuteronomy. In this chapter, the people were instructed to remember every year his great deliverance, which would be called Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and which is still celebrated today. Um, Christians recognize and remember this special assembly as the weekend of Passover and resurrection. Further, the Israelites were given instructions to assemble three times during the year, for special meeting with God. Passover and the Feast of Unliving Bread was one. The Feast of Harvest or Weeks was a second one, and the third one was the Feast of Gathering Shelter or Booths. And so I want to read, we're going to review the, the Passover passage and the Feast of Weeks. So in Deuteronomy 16, the first uh, that's 12 verses, if you will. We're in Aaron 16, verse 1. Um, in honor of the Lord your God, celebrate Passover each year in the early spring, in the month of Aviv, For that was the month in which the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. Your Passover sacrifice may be from either the flock or the herd, and it must be sacrificed to the Lord your God at the designated place of worship, the place he chooses for his name to be honored. Eat it with bread made without yeast. For seven days, the bread you eat must be made without yeast. As when you escaped from Egypt in such a hurry, eat this bread, the bread of suffering, so that as long as you live, you will remember the day you departed from Egypt. Let no yeast be found in any house throughout your land for those seven days. And when you sacrifice the Passover lamb on the evening of the first day, do not let any of the meat remain until the next morning. You may not sacrifice the Passover in just any of the towns that the Lord your God is giving you. You must offer it only at the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses. For his name to be honored. Sacrifice it there in the evening as the sun goes down on the anniversary of your exodus from Egypt. Roast the lamb and eat it in the place the Lord your God chooses. Then you may go back to your tents the next morning. For the next six days, you may not eat any bread made with yeast. On the seventh day, proclaim another holy in honor of the Lord's work may be done on that day. He then moves to the instructions for the um, and it continues in verse 9. Count off seven weeks from when you first began to cut then celebrate the festival of harvest to honor the Lord your God. Bring him a voluntary offering in proportion to the blessings you received from him. This is a time to celebrate before the Lord your God at the designated place of worship he will choose for his name to be honored. great your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites from your towns, and the foreigners or widows who live among you. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, so be careful to obey all of harvest, uh, our Feast of Weeks, it was as it is also called in other passages, is called Shavu East in 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 Hebrew, and it's celebrated on the sixth of Sylvan. It's the last of the pilgrimage festivals, the beginning of the Jewish year, and it falls seven weeks after Passover, at the end of the barley harvest and the beginning of the wheat. As as a, as an agricultural, it's a time when um, there is a some anxiety and uh, anticipation because the people are having to trust God for timely gifts of rain and sunshine and sunshine for for their grain to ripen. It marks the of a of first fruits. Um, it's occasion on which new grain and fruits are offered to the priest that's been added um, since those times in the wilderness and entering the promised land in later times. Also, we celebrate as the anniversary of the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, which was the first scripture that we read, was the beginning of that, that time. It's also a time when they recognize King David, um, and the book of Ruth is read uh, in the in the... Jewish assemblies during that time. King David, uh, a man after God's own heart, and the one promise to have a descendant on his throne. Um, just as the past celebrated a physical freedom from the Israelites' redemption from bondage in Egypt, Shavuot is the Feast of Weeks now celebrates a spiritual liberation through their experience of God's presence and revelation at Sinai. You know, I I appreciate what Greg shared last week because tracing down some of the timeline for Old Testament events is quite challenging, and it can't be um, perfectly shown that um, this uh, time was exactly 50 days after the Passover, uh, uh, the first of Passover. But one thing that we can we can know from this is that that first festival of, of weeks, that first harvest, was definitely a foreshadowing and a fulfillment of later events. Um, this particular word that I'm using, the Shavuos, is Hebrew. Um, and it means weeks already. Weeks of weeks, seven weeks, if you will. Um, The Greek name is at for the same time as Pentecost, Penta for five days, I'm sorry, for 50 days since Passover. You know, it's not by chance that God chose uh, this Shabbos or Feast of Weeks to show up again at this time we now call Pentecost because He is definitely in control and strategic the sovereign uh you know the the pentecost was in a miraculous event of the giving of the holy spirit in place exactly seven weeks in a day from following uh, the jesus uh, last passover um now pentecost starts this coming weekend for 2020 um, and I, I want to read a s- selected verses from Acts chapter 2, um, which records this first um, Pentecost. It came about 10 days after Jesus was resurrected. And all the people had come back to, to Jerusalem because it was the time of Shavuot, it was the time for the festival of harvest. Um, but Jesus had promised his disciples, look, you guys need to wait. Uh I'm sending a helper. I'm sending one who will clothe you with power from on high. Uh, and so I'm going to read selected verses out of Acts. Really, the point today is to prepare for this coming week. Um, and so starting in Acts 2, the first verse, At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They proclaimed. These people are all Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Um... Peter then speaks and says this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In these last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. Even on my servants, men and their life, they will and they will prophesy. I'm gonna skip down to verse 23. God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus betrayed. With the help of the lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back life, for death. Could not keep him in its grip. Now I'm, I'm skipping again to verse thirty-three. Jesus is exalted to the place of highest honor in the heaven at God's right hand, and the Father, as He has promised, gave Him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. Verse thirty-seven. Peter's words to hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. You know, just like at the first festival of harvest, these followers of Jesus must have had the sense of anxiety and expectation, not for a crop, but for the promise that that God had promised, uh, that they in a few days would be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Um, What they saw looked like tongues of fire which appeared and came to rest on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different language as the Spirit enabled them. Now, this is interesting because when the law was given, there was only one person that could relate to God, and that was Moses. But now, and and only he could give the words of the Lord to the people, but now God has made it possible through the giving of his Holy Spirit that everyone could speak and proclaim the words of God. No longer could a man walk by on tablets of stone, but by the Holy Spirit, who would write the law on our hearts and give power to overcome the powers of darkness, the law of sin and death. And at the same time, empowering us to become witnesses to the ends of the earth. Instead of a nation of Israel being born, the church was born at Pentecost. And just as the nation of Israel had been created in the wilderness of Sinai to reveal the one true God to the world, now the doors have been opened, the nations to come and know and worship Him in spirit and truth. God descended at Mount Sinai with whirlwind and fire to both the nations. Now, a rushing wind and tongues of fire to rest on each person, birth of people, now his body. At Sinai, God meant to give the law as a mediator of do's and don'ts. At Pentecost, he, he gave the spirit of grace. Once God proclaimed to the people what they must do, now people are to proclaim what God has done, His marvelous works. So, so what, in, in tying these things together, um, well, it's just another holiday, isn't it, Pentecost? And we'll say, we'll remember what happened, and, you know, we'll say how faithful God was to His promise. Or could, could it be more? Is, is it just another holy day? um does god still desire to meet with his church at special times even though he is present with us all the time he met with them at three very special times Um, and so as i began to think about this i thought well what it looked from the lord's perspective from his eye Uh, you know i was kind of reminded you know, the Bible says that a thousand years is as a day to the Lord. So I got to thinking about it I thought, to God the giving of the law to that nation back at Mount Sinai was like two weeks ago. I'll just pick a, a tile. Two weeks ago in, 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 in this God who lives outside of time was like a couple of weeks ago, I gave them all and birth a nation. And then last week, Pentecost, I promised the Holy Spirit, and I sent, the, I sent the Holy Spirit and raised up the people, my body, at Pentecost. And now, 2,000 years later, this week, I wonder if he's thinking, who will meet with me this coming with him? Who will
1: remember,
0: it's a special time, not just what I did then, the giving of my spirit. Who will come and be filled again with the spirit, with the power on how to proclaim my marvelous works and the good news of what I have done. Who will come, not empty-handed, but present a wave offering as I asked a long time ago, a loaf of bread made with leaven, not without yeast, but made with leaven, so to speak, a new life raised up in Christ, ready to proclaim these marvelous works of mine. Is there an expectancy and anticipation for this coming weekend? Who you knows? Is what the Lord has for us. In the week or weeks, only He knows the works created beforehand that we should walk in them, and the power we need to accomplish them. And so, I just wanted to lay that out as a as a to see that this mighty God is strategic, um, and He has a plan. He has a plan. And so, this morning there's two meals for you, one hopefully for strengthening and one for hope and expectations. Um, I just bless you as you believe and respond to the one worthy of all praise and honor and glory and riches and power and dominion. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that Lord you see all things Your plan is perfect and nothing for it like they happen naturally, Lord, you are in control in every way. And Lord, you're always looking to meet with your people. But I do believe there are times when you show up in a special presence. Father, I just really would ask that uh, we would prepare our hearts. The people at Mount Sinai, to prepare for three days, be ready to meet you. And the people in the upper room at Pentecost were there, sharing the word and, and enjoying one another and and waiting in expectation. And so, Lord, this week, as we have our times together and our times separately, uh, prepare us, Father, to have an expectancy of what You're about in this time. As we, Lord, as we move to this time of uh, emerging from this virus, this time of reopening. Let your church this move in in a changed way, in an empowered way, in a confident way to declare your marvelous works yet again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank
2: you, Preston. <clears throat> a lot to consider. God's at work, steadily, continually, in ways that we can't imagine beforehand, and yet we know his promise to us is to transform us into the image of his son, and he's not finished with any of us quite yet. Anyone have a question for Preston from what you've heard this morning? some thought
3: you want to echo i see two ways that or possibilities of 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 why the wicked prosper one i think uh they prosper sometimes because eventually they will see the emptiness of what they've accumulated and it'll draw to god and for others i think it's a judgment of god It's a judgment to let them prosper and eat their fill of things that bring no satisfaction. And so because they've determined not to know God, God says have a whole mouthful of it until it comes out and you can't have any more. So it's a judgment in some ways, and some ways it's a, for some people, it's a means of revealing to them how empty everything without God is. And um, a couple of things that just keep coming to mind is when when Moses came down from the mountain after getting the Ten Commandments and he sees the golden calf, what he does is he, he grinds it into powder and he throws the powder into the water and makes the people drink of it. You see the same thing with Josiah in the book of Second Kings where he takes the idols in the temple. The Bible calls them the Asherah, which are female deities, and he grinds them in the powder and he throws them on on the graves of the people. And throwing anything on a grave makes it unclean. And so nobody can reconstitute these idols that have been ground up into powder. Because if they don't do that, then the natural tendency for human beings is to say, okay, well, we'll get rid of the idol, but I'll take the gold that the idol's made of and I'll make coins out of it, which is another idol. And so you take the thing from one idol and you make it another, but if you ground it into dust and throw it in the water and make people drink, or you throw it on graves and make it unclean, nobody can use it again. And so it's a way of guaranteeing that we don't just reuse the same idols over and over again. And that's what the wicked do. They just take one idol and if they get rid of it, they just substitute another. I'm done. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Greg. Kristen,
4: I appreciate what you were sharing about how you noticed um, your thoughts or attitude changing as the uh, shutdown has worn on. Um, I think all of us are experiencing different aspects of that. It's like um, we're trying to create a, or or wish we could find a grid for how to walk this out, and. Uh, it's certainly pressing all of us into a place of, of needing to hear from God personally in a lot of unique and individual situations. And sometimes it's where we begin to show stress, where we begin to show a am missing it, that it actually helps us get bearings. But it, it's, a, it's an astonishing time to try to get bearings with.
3: I'm not sure whether God's teaching me a lesson or Pat's teaching me a lesson.
4: (laughs) We're working together.
2: God has his ways, Greg.
3: (laughs) Yeah, mysterious, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah.
4: Yeah. You know, I had a a super unique experience the other day with someone. They had... um, gone into one of the grocery stores at a time that they were not at all busy. And that particular grocery store requires that a person wear a mask. But because they weren't busy, um, she decided that she wasn't going to wear a mask. But one of the people in and one of the workers in the store came up to her and asked her if she would please put a mask on that they could provide her one. Well, that utterly infuriated her so much so that she wrote a scathing letter to the corporate office. And as I'm puzzling about what in the world is going on, as sort of a side note, she started talking about how the things with the shutdown just bring up all the rejection that she felt growing up. And for some reason, someone coming up to her and asking her to put on a mask caused her to feel rejected. She is still so angry about that situation that she's also planning to write a scathing letter to that particular store complaining. And I I was caught between how sad, how sad for the person and the corporate having to receive that and not understanding that it's coming from a wounded and broken place that it's really not the surface thing of the complaint about the mask that it looks like. But I was just wondering how much is that multiplied in all of us and across the board, so to speak, with people that are reacting and and just stressed with the circumstances and behaving badly and the consequences of that. So Preston, that just brought right back to mind my bewilderment with that particular episode.
0: I think there's um, there's pressure on everybody. It's in varying degrees. Even the people that think there's not, there is, uh, just because of the whole situation. Absolutely. You can rise above it in one sense, but there there is a pressure there.
2: The person I wrote down, how are the trials impacting you? How are the temptations? How are the troubles afflicting you? What about your duties? I mean, th- these are these are things that you you never saw coming. What God is doing the inner the inner work of mm-hmm. our hearts and and Pat. I can easily see those trigger things right, mm-hmm. and I think in so many cases God wants to heal us of those triggers. All right. All right. Um, could you pray for us that we might be a. Um, an instrument of, of help to people that we find like that and that God would give us our own victory over those very same things.
4: Sure. Lord Jesus, I do pray that you would just bring into our focus, Lord, your perspective as we deal with someone, Lord, that's reacting, uh, that's handling the situation poorly, Lord, help us to shift the atmosphere. Help us to have your perspective and to be of help in those situations. And Father, I pray for us corporately and individually as well, because there there are various aspects of this that are stressful for all of us. And there's grief, Lord. There's grief and loss. Even though we are grateful to be able to meet on Zoom, There's such a loss also of not being with each other, not being able to share a meal together, just many things, Lord, that we feel grief about. But I just pray that you would turn our mourning into dancing, our sorrow into joy, and that we would know how to tune in to the joy of the Lord. Father, I believe it is your purpose and will that we see things as they are, that we process them well but that in the sorrows that we see in the heartaches that we see like in Peru and here that we turn back from the realities in doing what you would call us to do to your joy that we would always circle back to the joy of the Lord in the name of Jesus amen
2: amen thank you Pad yeah let's uh, let's let's end this time with one additional song and it's um it's a song that you're familiar with the chorus the verse might be a little different um
5: In love that welcomes me, the kindness of mercy that bought with blood, oh heartedly, my soul undeserving. You're so good, God, you're so good. the cross age to age and hour by hour the dead are raised the sinners saved the work of your power so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. offering, Lord, I will remember what Calvary has bought for me, both now and forever.
2: Lord, no matter the temptation, you've provided a way of escape that we might trust you more. No matter the trial, Lord, you've provided a way of strength to endure that we might trust you more. No matter the temptation, Lord, or the duties that we face, you, Lord God, are our source of joy and hope and peace in the midst of every trial, in the midst of every temptation, in the midst of every testing, in the midst of every duty. And, Lord, we pray that we might you might transform the way we think and the way we act as we see you more clearly, as we love you, Lord, as we find that you are the greatest source of joy and the treasure of our lives, Lord, and let us be that way for other people and offer hope to them, Lord God. Lord, this is the week that we look forward to that outpouring of your spirit where the church as we know it today was birthed and people received the gift of the the promised Holy Spirit in their lives. For such a moment like this, Lord, we need your spirit within us. Lord, for such a moment like this, We need the power of your word. That we might trust you when we're standing and waiting in line. And Lord, say, we don't like the valley you've got us in. Lord, when when things don't go the way we want. When we're frustrated and annoyed, Lord, by not only other people, but by the attitude within us. Lord Jesus, you are a redeemer, and that is something that we cannot forget. We should not forget. We must always remember, Lord, that you are a redeemer. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we rejoice this morning. Lord, we look forward for that day when you bring us back together. We ask you, Lord, for a vaccine. We ask you, Lord, for protection from this enemy, not only for ourselves, but for every nation. Lord, show us opportunities where we might give and serve and bless your name, that all the glory go to Christ. Thank you God. Thank you, Father, for your presence here with us this morning. Let me pray this in Jesus name. Amen
1: Preston, thank you so much um, that that was such a timely word and um I came hungry and I feel fed very much. I came um, in a lot of ways discouraged and I feel very encouraged. At the beginning of this, so many people were talking about a reset or a revival that was coming as a result of this. And I believe that, I do believe that. I believe that the revival starts with me I believe the revival starts with you. I believe the revival starts with our church. Um, I believe the revival is happening around this world and is happening one heart at a time. And I, I was reminded there is this commercial that comes on the radio and it really has bothered me for a long time. It's this company called, I think, Atlantic Foundation or something. And they say, are you having trouble with your foundations? Atlantic Foundation repairs broken homes. And I thought, no, there's only one that can prepare repair broken homes, and that's Jesus. <laughs> but I was reminded, pressing through your words, it is our foundation. And if there are cracks in our foundation, then there eventually will, the whole house can have real problems. And it behooves us to not only allow, but to ask Jesus to shine the light on those cracks that are in our foundations. You can't have a house for a long time that doesn't have some kind of issues. And uh, I know, I know the Lord has been doing some of those things in my life. And I'm so grateful because he is so good. Um, So let's, let's allow him to shine the light on our foundations. And just like the disciples who were told to wait, they didn't know what they were waiting for really. And what they received was far more than they ever even could imagine or realize. And perhaps it will be the same with us, with what God has to bring forth for us. Who would have thought 33 years ago at that old school that we would have encountered what we have encountered. And God is so good. I, We could, we sang that probably 33 years ago, and we can sing it with much more experience and the reality of that now than we could even then. So let's keep um, running, not just with the footman, but being prepared with the endurance to run with the horses. Um, Having said that, a couple of announcements. Um, this week, oh, I'm in the wrong year. <laughs> there we are. Uh, tomorrow uh, is Raul Salinas' birthday, and Dustin and Jessica celebrate their first anniversary tomorrow. So, Wayne and Jill, I know you remember this time well a year ago, as, as many of us do. Um. On Wednesday, Roger and Wendy are celebrating their 36th anniversary. Mm-hmm. So congratulations, Roger and Wendy, on your anniversary. Yes. What what a blessing it's been to see your lives over the years as as the Lord has grown and, and changed uh, and knit you all together and brought Henry into your lives. What a blessing. On Wednesday... Better.
2: i was there
1: i'm a witness
0: that's right we were there
1: on on wednesday night roger and wendy we can celebrate your anniversary together at a prayer meeting (laughs) so right so the prayer (laughs) meeting is wednesday night and uh, (laughs) those are the announcements for this week
6: yeah i will Lord, we thank you for Roger and Wendy and Henry, Father, that you have given them this child to to love and to raise to know you and that he is a, um, a blessing in their lives. And, Father, things that 30 years ago, 36. we 36 years ago, they had no idea that they were going to have to walk through or the ways that you were going to bless them. And so, Father, as we look back in all that you have done and remember your faithfulness, and your provision we pray that you would continually to provide for their needs especially a job for Roger so God I pray that you would um, renew and refresh their marriage and um, give them deeper and deeper love for each other as each year goes by and preferring one another and honoring one another and all the things that we all need to do in our own marriages Lord I just pray for their um, love to deepen and for them to see your hand and walking with them through this time, in Jesus' name, Amen.
4: Amen.
0: Thank you, Julie.
2: Y'all have a good weekend. Remember those that have uh, kept our country safe.
4: Love you. Love you. Love all again. Bye. 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 Hi Simon. Bye Chris. Bye, Chris. Bye, bye Grace. Bye Simon. Bye. Bye, Simon. bye. 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 bye See you Simon. Bye. So bye. bye Galena. Bye Galena. Bye. Good to see you. Bye Clara. Bye Bye. 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 bye
1: everyone.
2: Bye luck.
4: Bye. See you Thursday. Bye
2: Carla. Goodbye,
3: goodbye. Everybody's getting Mary. bigger. Bye. Oh, some of the restaurants are opening now, so we'll see what happens. I'll let you know.
0: Okay, I see. <laughs> it's okay. Greg's turn to buy. <laughs>
4: That's <laughs> what I remember. <laughs> yeah. I'll dear. be there, too, in that case. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye y'all. Bye. Bye, y'all. See
0: ya.
2: See ya.